so I didn't even really give it its own title. But if I was to give it its own title, I'd probably just call it Some Island. So why don't you just turn to somebody and say, Some Island. Might end up on Some Island. It's good. We're going to Some Island today. So the chapter in Acts that I want to jump into is Acts 27. And this is a story of Paul. And uh, he was an apostle. And he had been preaching a bunch and kind of angering some people. So he had been arrested, actually, by his own people, the Jews, and sent to Rome on a ship. And he, he was on the ship as a prisoner. And they were sailing at a poor time of year. So they had kind of landed in a port, and they were considering, do we stay at this port, or do we carry on towards Rome? And of course, Paul, it was always his dream to go to Rome. This is where he wanted to preach. This was like the big city. It was like, the, it was like Mecca. It was like the center of everything. So if he was going to have any influence, if he was going to have any authority, it would be in Rome. So this was his dream. So in a, in a sense, even though he was going as a prisoner, he was excited to go. And out of everyone on the ship, he should have the most reason to want to carry on. But as they were considering whether to go on or not, he was like, men... I don't think we should do this. In Acts 27, he said, Men, I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous and bring great loss to ship and cargo and to our own lives also. But the centurion, instead of listening to what Paul said, followed the advice of the pilot and of the owner of the ship. So Paul warned them. He said that this trip wasn't going to turn out well, but instead the centurion listened to the pilot. He went with experience, you know. I mean, if, I, if it was me, if I was a centurion and I was making the decision uh, over 250 lives on the ship and over what to do next, and I was to listen to a prisoner and a pilot, I would probably listen to the pilot because he's got the experience. Am I right? Would you go with the pilot? Yeah, you go with the pilot. But there's a downside to experience, especially when the spirit is involved, because the flip side of experience is that you can start steering the ship of your life or ministry based on what you see, or what mood you're in, or maybe what worked before, or what would work for someone else, or even what people are asking for. But someone here has stopped steering by the Spirit and got stuck in steering by your senses. And I really want to land on that tonight. It's easy to go with experience, but we're called to move in the Spirit. It makes sense to listen to the pilot instead of the prisoner. But we need to go with the Spirit and not with our senses. So when you start steering by what makes sense, it's just a matter of time before you start walking by sight and not by faith. How many know we're meant to walk by faith and not by sight? It's easy to walk by sight and not by faith. And sometimes it's not supposed to make sense. It doesn't make sense to listen to a prisoner. It doesn't make sense to choose his opinion over the pilot. It doesn't make sense to love somebody, somebody who hurt you. It doesn't make sense to forgive somebody who wronged you. But we're still called to forgive, and we're still called to love. It didn't make sense when Elijah was pouring water on the wood when there was a famine. It didn't make sense for Saul to put David, the shepherd boy, into battle against Goliath in his place. It didn't make sense when Joshua was walking around the walls of Jericho with a marching band instead of attacking them head on. But I'm not trying to make sense. I'm trying to listen to what God says through the leading of His Spirit. I think sometimes we convince ourselves that we're listening to God just because we're speaking to Him. But it's easier to speak to Him than it is to listen to Him. How many know that? Man, when I pray, I speak to Him a lot. But how many times do I actually listen? Sometimes we convince ourselves we're listening to Him just because we're speaking to Him. 
but then we deafen our ears with our own thoughts or our own desires or our own opinions of how things should go. And then because of that, we think that he's not responding or he's not moving. And what do we do when we think he's not responding or he's not moving? We take matters into our own hands. But I really think tonight we need to stop trying to fix or achieve what God wants us to slow down enough to receive. And if you get nothing else tonight, I just hope that your prayer life will change in that small way so that it's no longer just you, listen, you speaking to him, but also making the space to listen to him. Are you guys with me so far? Cool, cool, cool. A lot of the people in the Bible who got into trouble got into trouble because they were trying to make sense. And I'm not going to live on this point too long, but I think it made a lot of sense for the 10 spies to come back and say we shouldn't go in there because those giants are way bigger than us. It made sense for Abraham to sleep with Hagar. Whatever you say, Sarah. But Paul tried to advise these men, but they went on anyway because they thought it made sense. It's not always about what makes sense. We need to listen we need to pay attention to what's happening in the Spirit. Acts 27, 13, 15, it goes on. It says, When a gentle south wind began to blow, they saw their opportunity. So they weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. Before very long, a wind of hurricane force called a northeaster swept down from the island, and the ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind. So we gave way to it and were driven along. I think some of us tonight are feeling a little bit driven along. And when we're driven along, we're still moving, which is a good thing. And sometimes it can be a deceiving thing, but it's not necessarily where we want to go or where we're called to go. We're just being driven along. We're being battered by the wind and driven along. And sometimes we give way to it. Sometimes we run out of energy and we don't want to fight it any longer. And that's what they did here. It says, so we gave way to it and we were driven along. I want to speak to the people that have felt driven along and have given way to it because that's not God's destination for you. That's not God's purpose for you. That's not God's will for you. James in the Bible would say, when you ask of God, you must believe in your heart and not doubt for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea who is tossed and driven with the wind. Let, that, let not that man think that he shall receive any, anything from the Lord, for he is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. So the storm here could represent fear. It could represent shame. It could represent opposition from people who don't like you or have something to say about you. And the storm, it can be exhausting. It can be tiring. And I really feel like there's some people here tonight that are tired, that are exhausted, that they're tired of being driven along. Acts 27, verse 18, it says, We took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard. I think for me, man, it's so easy. When I start to feel exhausted, when I feel like it's one thing after the other, when I start to feel driven along, when I start to give way to it, it's easy for me to recognize that I'm bleeding and just start throwing stuff overboard. Start saying it's just collateral damage. It's like I've lost enough anyway. I may as well lose it all. And that's where they were at. They were losing all hope. And it's one thing to be driven along and still fighting, but in verse 20, it goes from desperation to despair for these sailors. Paul had warned them, but their decision had got them here. It says in verse 20, when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. They lost what they were being guided by. It said the sun nor the stars continued to shine. They were blotted out. 
How many know that if you're already discouraged, if you're already going through something, and then your source of hope is blotted out, you feel like you can't see the light at the end of the tunnel? How many know that despair turns to desperation and soon to depression really quickly? And I know you all look really cool in your tequila outfit tonight. I know you're feeling a bit inspired right now, but I'm talking about how you felt this morning. I'm talking how you, how you felt on Saturday before a Sunday church. I'm talking about how you feel when everyone else is gone, the music is off, worship is over, and you're still going through something. I want to speak to every man and woman here tonight. You made the effort to get here. But truth be told, you are driven here by some forces that have been beating against the depth of your heart and your soul, and you've lost what you've been, be- you've been led by. You don't really know what's left for you. You don't really know this, how this one is going to resolve. And there's some here tonight that have already crossed over from desperation to despair. I want to speak to you tonight. I want to give you some new hope tonight. I want to give you the, just that extra little bit that you need to get it to where it needs to go to get yourself where you need to go into the presence of your Savior. I heard it said, aside from the clinical definition, uh, depression is described as when you can't see any possibility that you're going to feel any different than you do right now or that it's going to be any different than it is right now. So that's where these guys were at. That's where these sailors were at. They, they did something even though they knew that they shouldn't. I, I, really th- I really believe that even though they were following the pilot's instructions, that when Paul spoke and he warned them, that they knew in their hearts that what they were doing was wrong. That they knew in their hearts that the storm that they were sailing into was one that they couldn't escape from. So now they're in their depression and they're like, oh man, I shouldn't have done this. I shouldn't have sailed forward anyway. So Paul let them wait a little while. And then when all hope had been lost, he came to them. In verse 21, he said, after they had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete then you would have spared yourselves this damage and loss. But then in verse 22, I really like this. It says, but now. But now. You would have spared yourselves all this damage and loss, but now. And I love this passage. This is the part that gets me fired up. So this is where I'm going to get away from the monotone. I might even start yelling a little bit. But he says, but now. I love this passage because I've always been taught that God will see you through the storm. But the way I read that is about the storms that he sends me into. You know, if God sends me into the storm, he will see me through. If he sends me across the sea to where I'm supposed to go and a storm comes up, he's going to protect me. If he sends me into battle, of course he's going to give me the victory. If he sends me into the mission field, of course he's going to provide. It just makes sense. It makes sense that God would see me through that kind of storm because protection is just part of the package with God, isn't it? But what about when I get myself into trouble? What about even when I hear Paul, or even when I hear God, or even when I'm listening to the Spirit and it tells me one thing, but I do another thing, even when I do that, what happens then? And I know you might be a little confused, like it's never happened to you, but hypothetically speaking, what happens when I get myself into trouble? What if you made a dumb decision? What if it wasn't the devil? What if it wasn't? And I think, man, sometimes I think we get these two words confused because they both start with D, but I don't think it's always the devil. Sometimes it's a decision. And we love to blame our decisions on the devil when they go wrong, don't we? But did you see devil anywhere in this passage? 
He said, man, it's your fault. So this is not just for the people who are in a storm tonight that God sent you into. This is for the people that made a mistake. This is for the people that did it even though they, they knew that they shouldn't. This is for the people whose mom told them that they shouldn't date that person and they dated them anyway and they got themselves into a mess. This is even for the people in the back of the room so ashamed during worship because of what they've done, or because of something that they created, that you don't even feel like you can lift your hands. This is for you. This is for the people that had their face to the ground, not in reverence, but in shame, because you know you got yourself into this storm. You know it's your own fault. You know the ship's going down. But for those people, Paul says to you what he said to the sailors. He says, but now. You got yourself into this mess, but now. You feel like there's no way out, but now. You sailed into the storm even though you knew you shouldn't, but now. Because he knew his God. He knew his character. You messed up. You're swimming in a mess you made on your own, and you think you need to fix it on your own. That's a problem I have. When I get myself into a mess, I feel like I have to go and fix it before I can come back to Jesus and say, now what? Use me. But Jesus wants to be in our mess no matter who created it. He's so faithful. But now. We can't do anything about the thing that happened six years ago, but now. We can't do anything about that abusive relationship that we just kind of stumbled into or walked into blindly, but now. We can't do anything about the debt we accrued when we went on that shopping spree, but now. We can't do anything about the wasted time in school because instead of going to class and studying, we were partying, but now. But now. For any situation in the room tonight, but now. There's hope. I feel it. I've got some good news for somebody tonight. Acts 27, verse 22, but now I urge you to keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Question, is this good news? It depends, honestly, what part of the sentence you're, you want to focus on. Because when you hear the ship will be destroyed, that can be pretty discouraging, especially if you put your trust in the ship. Especially if you're relying on the ship as the thing that holds you up or gets you where you're trying to go. But depending on how we look at this, this can actually be really encouraging. This can actually be a source of hope because it says only the ship will be destroyed. Only. So let's let the boat represent anything other than God that you thought was going to get you where you're going. If your hope is in the boat... This verse is the death sentence. But I've got good news because the sailors are going to make it to prison. Paul is going to make it to Rome. He's not going to go down in this battle because there's another battle for him to face. Only the ship will be destroyed. So he says, but now keep up your courage. And some of you are in trouble today because all your courage is tied to your conditions. It's conditional courage. There's so many ups and downs for you because... Your courage is tied to what's happening around you, to what you see directly in front of you. But don't put your hope in the boat. Someone needs to hear that the boat is good, but the boat is not God. Come on. Come on. Somebody help me. Don't put your hope in the boat. Paul says, nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. Somebody say, some island. Some island. I'm preaching now. It will happen. Not like I thought it would happen, but it will happen. 
I have to tell you, there have been times in my life that I've related to the sailors in many ways in this story. And there's been times in my life where I've related to the boat. <laughs> Honestly, I felt, just felt battered, wind-tossed. I felt like I was going down. But there's also times that I feel that I just relate specifically to Paul in this story. Paul is on the boat as a prisoner for something he didn't do, going to Rome to be put on trial for an accusation that he didn't deserve, and now he's in a storm that he warned the sailors about that he didn't want to go into, but now he's here anyway, and everybody's freaking out. He's the one that's staying calm. He's the voice of reason. Man, that's got to be so frustrating to be somewhere that you're not meant to be. Maybe he was meant to be there, but he shouldn't have been there. He didn't deserve to be there. But sometimes the things you go through aren't because of something wrong that you did, even as a Christian. Sometimes the things you go through are the direct result of something you did right. And you can't always know the reason. You know, that's difficult for me, not knowing the reason. I always want to know the reason. Growing up, I was that annoying kid for my dad who was like, I'm not the type of guy that does anything without a good reason. But then my dad was pretty scary. He's, he's always been this fit dude. And he'd look at me like, I am your father. <laughs> then I didn't need another reason. But I always wanted a reason. And still, I'm skeptical of people for what their reasons are, what their motivations are. Mitzi, my wife, she's so sweet. She's got a little Latina fire, but she always starts at 100 with people. Anyone she meets, she starts at 100. She believes the best for them. She believes the best about them. She loves them with her whole heart, even though she knows nothing about them. And me, I'm the opposite. I, she starts at 100. I start at 50. I meet somebody, I'm like, I don't really want to talk to you. I don't really want to spend time with you. Now, I've been convicted because now I'm a pastor, so I, I, I have to spend time with people. I have to give people the benefit of the doubt, but that's not my nature. It's Mitzi's nature. That's why she's an amazing pastor. But it's difficult for me. I always want to know the reason for the circumstance I'm in. I always want to know the reason for whoever and whatever they're bringing to me. I'm a skeptic. I just want to know. I feel like I'm pretty good at dealing with resistance if I know the reason. And to be honest, I feel like I'm pretty good with resistance when I know the reason. But to be honest, I just am not that good with resistance like many of us. So it's not even that good for me anyway if I know the reason. But here's Paul on a ship he doesn't feel he belongs on, taken as a prisoner for a crime he didn't commit. And when I hear him talking here, I hear two things. I hear, one, faith that it will happen, that he'll get where he's meant to go, that he'll be okay. But then frustration because this didn't have to happen. You know, this was a problem that they could have avoided. This was a situation that they could have stayed out of. Acts 27 to 21, it says, After they had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, Men, you should have taken my advice. I hear frustration in that. Then you would have spared yourselves this damage and loss. He says, The reason we're about to wreck is because of a decision that you made. You got us into this. But if we stay too long trying to figure out the reason or dwelling on the reason, dwelling on your mistake, then we're just going to drown with the ship. Because we have to get past sometimes trying to figure out why it happened. I really think there's someone here tonight that's been so focused on why it happened. Whatever it may be. Whether it's a relationship. Whether it's just a straight up failure. Whether it's a simple discouragement. Whether it's something you did that you regret and you're blaming God for it. Whatever it may be, you're so focused on wondering why it happened. Trying to figure out a reason 
But sometimes we have to get past the reason. We have to get past why it happened. And it's difficult for those of us who want that reason, that rationale. Mitzi gets so annoyed for me, with me sometimes when I want a reason. Sometimes she's like, can I not just want something because I want something? And it's hard for me, but I got to back down because she just looks so good. And I know I'd have to pay for it later. But I also know that sometimes it's not about the reason. Sometimes a reason isn't even what people need. Even, when, even pastorally, when I talk to someone, uh, maybe they've gone through a loss. Maybe they're frustrated. Maybe they're discouraged. Or maybe they just don't even have, maybe they lack vision for their life, you know. And as a, as a young pastor, as a new pastor, I make some rookie mistakes. And I think I'm so tempted when I'm having these conversations to give people reasons for what they're experiencing to be just quoting kind of cafe scriptures at people for why they're experiencing what they're experiencing. But sometimes people don't need a reason, and what they need is reassurance that I'm with them, that God is with them, and that they're going to get through it. Sometimes we don't need a reason. I realized recently when I was trying to spit out a bunch of those reasons that that's not what they need, that they need reassurance, that God will not leave them alone in it. So here's Paul standing in the middle of a storm, and the reason it's happening is because of the sailor's dumb decision. Have you ever had to go through a storm because of someone else's dumb decision? I don't know how good of a friend you are, but when that happens to me, I don't even really want to be friends with the person anymore. It happens, because I'm pretty good at what I do, and a lot of people aren't very good at what they do. So, But Paul says it didn't have to happen like this. This was avoidable. But if we stay stuck in the reason, then we're going to miss the revelation. If we stay stuck in the reason, we're going to even ignore the reassurance from around us, from our community that we're in, from God, from the Spirit that's speaking to us on a regular basis. We're going to cry out to God asking for a reason, and then we're going to miss His revelation. So there's a reason that this happened, and it could have been avoided. But last night, Paul says, While the storm was raging, last night I was all alone and God came to me and he gave me a revelation. He showed up and reminded me that his purpose is still intact even if the ship goes down. It says it right in Acts 27, 23 to 26. It's a bit of a chunk, but I'm going to read it. It says, last night, this is Paul talking, an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me and he said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar, and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. There's about 276 people on board. Verse 25 says, so keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen, just as he told me. Turn to somebody and say, it will happen. Turn to somebody else and say, some island. It will happen. Just as he told me. So verse 26, nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. So God doesn't give Paul a bunch of explanations. He doesn't strike down the foolish sailors. He gives them a revelation. He doesn't even save the ship, but he gives them a revelation. And sometimes when you ask God for a reason, he'll bypass the reason and give you a revelation. A revelation that you still belong to me. You are my child, and I care for you. I can't operate by reason, but if I operate by reason, sometimes I'll be up and sometimes I'll be down, but instead God wants to give me a revelation of his character, of what he feels for me. 
He wants to give me a revelation so that I know he's good and I know that he does good. So that I know he's with me and I know that he's for me. Even in the storm, I know he will never leave me or he will never forsake me. And even if the ship goes down, my purpose is still intact. So you don't need a reason for your trial tonight. You need a revelation of who God is, even in your situation, even in the middle of your trial. And honestly, it doesn't even matter the reason that you're here. It doesn't matter how you ended up in the mess that you're in. But when you have a revelation of the goodness of God, of his care for you, of what his love really truly means, it'll get you through. It'll get you through. So Paul says, keep up your courage. Not one of you will be lost. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. I just want to bring the band back up as I close. We're going to sing Faithful to the End at the end of this. I'm going to pray for some people. It's going to be awesome. But I just want you to know that no matter what you're facing tonight, you need to keep up your courage. You need to get your your faith off of the boat and onto Jesus. You need to recognize that even when you want a reason, the reason is not what's best for you. The revelation is all you need. The grace of God doesn't always prevent your consequence. You need to know that too, but it gives you somewhere to land. So they landed on an island, and the island was called Malta. And Man, I so badly want to dig into their time in Malta, but I'm just going to do a high level as we close tonight. But they landed on Malta, and believe it or not, Malta is this tiny island that means, the name means refuge. So out of all of this, through the storm, as they were wondering if their lives were going to be spared or if they were going to have to pay dearly for their mistake, they landed on Malta, this place of refuge. And I think out of all of it, this is the place of reckoning. This is, the, this is the key question. This is the, the key situation where we see what their character truly is, what the character of Paul truly is. Because I think once we get through a situation, even if we suffer loss, even if we suffer damage, even when we get to that place of refuge, we have a choice to make. Paul had a choice to make. He had the choice to use this time, use this place for a, a time of rest. He could have used it for recovery. But instead, he chose to rally and be a part of what God wanted to do on this island. Even though this island wasn't in his vision for his life, in his mind he was going to Rome as a destination, a big city. And instead he lands on this tiny island called Malta. It's literally tiny. Like compared to Rome, it's like a speck of dust. And I think some of you need to know that about your situation. Even though it feels like a big detour, your problem, your delay is just like a speck of dust compared to where God's taking you. And Paul had a choice. He could choose to rest. He could choose to just try and recover. He could choose to stew in the angst of his situation, but instead he chooses to rally. So the the islanders invite them in. They're super hospitable. They start to prepare dinner and a fire. And Paul, instead of standing in the back and pouting, he decides to help out and throw some wood on the fire. And as the fire gets going, a viper jumps out and grabs his hand. It bites onto him. And I don't know if, if, if you would feel this way, but if I was Paul... I would be so frustrated because I already came through this situation that I didn't want to face. I came through this situation that I didn't know if I was going to come through it. And then not, I don't experience this solace or this, this relaxation. Instead, I get another break against me. The viper bites me. And this could be fatal. It could kill me. But instead, Paul just shakes it off into the fire and keeps going. And the, be- the most beautiful thing out of all of this is after that, He gets invited into the house of the leader of the island. 
because of this magnificent act of just shaking a viper into the fire like it was nothing. It didn't kill him. And he gets the opportunity to pray for this man, this leader's father, who is sick. He's in a wheelchair, and Paul asks, what's wrong with this guy? And the man explains to him that he's sick, he has a disease. And instead of Paul just enjoying the dinner, he decides to pray for him. He lays hands on him, and he heals him. That same hand that the viper bit, that same hand that could have been the fatal injury to end it all, he used it, and he laid it on someone else, and he provided healing in the name of Jesus for that person. So as, as Tehila, as a ministry, as a community, as we're going into this summer, can we have the posture of Paul? I love what Levi was saying. They didn't want to let up. They didn't want to just relax for the summer. They wanted to press in. Would you embrace that with the Tehila leadership team this summer and decide that no matter what your situation is, no matter if you got yourself into it or if someone else did it, if it was someone else's dumb decision, would you trust that God is faithful enough to use the hand that was bitten to heal somebody? Because when Paul used that hand to heal this man, it didn't end there. The entire island, everyone that was sick, everyone that had a disease, everyone that was hurt, everyone that was invalid came to him that evening and was healed, every single one of them. So we need to know that no matter what storm we face, no matter if we've lost a ship, no matter if we've lost a cargo, no matter if we've been injured, no matter if we've been bitten by something that could be fatal, God will carry us through. We don't need a reason. We need a revelation. We need to understand that he's faithful through it all and that even when we've been bitten, that hand can bring healing to an entire island, to an entire group of people because he's faithful. You don't need a reason. You need a revelation because that revelation will be healing for many. It's not about you. It's about what God wants to do through you. So I just want to have a little bit of a response right now. I'm not going to make it really fantastic or extravagant, but if there's anyone in the room that's just going through something, whether it's your own fault, whether it's something you've done, whether it's something someone else did, actually, I'm just going to get everyone across the room to bow their heads right now. Close your eyes. If that's you tonight, if you're experiencing hardship, if you feel battered by the storm, if you feel like you're about to lose something significant, if you feel like you've been trying to help out despite your hardship and you just continue to get bitten, I just want you to stand up right now if you need a prayer, if you need to get, get through whatever this is, if you just need the will to carry on, if you need the revelation that God is faithful enough to use you despite what you're experiencing, would you just stand up right now and I'm going to pray for you. This isn't to embarrass you. This is just a physical act, an expression towards God so that he knows that you're responding to who he is and how he cares for you. And I'm just going to pray for you, and then we're going to sing. God, thank you for what you're doing tonight. God, thank you for the way you're speaking to our hearts tonight. God, thank you even now as I'm saying these words that I am convicted of the situations in my life where I've asked for a reason, but all I've needed was a revelation of who you are. God, I pray that you would heal our hearts tonight. And God, that healing of our hearts would translate into the healing of others through the touch of our hand, no matter if we've been bitten or broken down, no matter what other people have said to us or about us. God, that we would only believe what it is that you say about us, what it is that you believe about us, God. God, I pray that this movement, God, this community, Tehillah, First Assembly Church, this gathering of people from all over the city, God, that this would be a group of people that carry through any storm. God, that put their trust in you, that don't rely on the boat to keep them afloat, but rely on you to carry them through. God, I pray that this would be a turning point, 
that this would be a milestone, that this would be a moment where we take our, our perspective, our focus off of what we're experiencing and put it on what you're preparing. God, I just declare healing tonight in Jesus' name. God, I declare new strength in Jesus' name. God, I pray, I pray new conviction in Jesus' name, but not the negative conviction, God, the type of conviction that gets us out of our seat and gets us involved in what you're trying to do. God, I pray that we wouldn't focus on what makes sense, but what your spirit is saying in every situation. God, that we wouldn't rely on experience, but we just rely on your small, still voice and the fact that you want to use us in the powerful works, the supernatural works you're doing in Calgary. I pray these things in your name. Amen. So would you just sing with me tonight? Declare this over our situations, over what we're experiencing, over our feelings and perspectives, and just believe together that God really is faithful to the end.